Hey everyone, I'm Brent Squires. And I'm Lauren Jubeau, telling stories of the famous and not so famous youth workers, the ideas they had, the ministries they built, and the bumps in the road along the way. You're listening to How'd They Do That. Welcome to the summer bonus episodes of How'd They Do That podcast. We're changing it up a little bit for the summer. Instead of airing our longer interviews, we're recording a number of shorter interviews, and we are calling them Summer Shorts. Yes, shorter summer episodes, but we're still talking to people all around the country who are doing great things in ministry, and we want to share those interviews with you. We hope you'll feel encouraged and inspired by these amazing HTDT Summer Shorts. We want you to not only check out our webpage at htdt.org, but to follow us on Instagram as well at htdtpodcast. And we'd love for you to forward this episode to someone in ministry who you think could use a creative boost, personal encouragement, or even some ministry inspiration. On today's podcast, we're interviewing Lauren Cunningham. Lauren and his wife founded YWAM, Youth with a Mission, in 1960 at the age of 24. Today, in his 80s, Lauren is still going strong in ministry. He travels extensively, speaking and sharing the gospel around the world. In terms of worldwide ministry reach, Lauren is in a category with ministry giants such as Bill Bright and Billy Graham. So we sat down with him to ask, how'd they do that? Our church was blessed to have Lauren come and speak during a service recently, so we took the opportunity to record Lauren giving an overview of YWAM, along with a few other stories from his many years in ministry. So enjoy this HTDT Summer Short. Yeah, my name is Lauren Cunningham. Uh, I grew up in Los Angeles, and uh, but I was called to be a missionary at age 13. And uh, so I've, I've been a missionary, really, uh, all my adult life, and traveled to all the nations and dependent countries in the world, and a lot of uh, islands and territories beyond that, including Antarctic. And, uh, and so as I... I've gone, I've gone with the view of the Great Commission. And that's, that's my, my desire, is to fulfill that, that purpose in my lifetime. And so, uh, yeah, I guess I was the first YWAMer, but uh, I've just really been thrilled to be a part of seeing the lives of young people go everywhere, from everywhere. That was a little different than in my early days we only sent out missionaries from our own countries. And my job was to go into all the nations and try to start a mission movement out of all of those as well. But uh, the focus is really on youth, but we have youth of all ages because we have 191 countries where we have full-time ministries and we have ministries in the others as well, but we also have 27 ships and that's not done by <laughs> teenagers. They, we have to have that. We have doctors and nurses and clinics, and we started hospitals and churches and all the rest. As I watch young people today, they brighten up when they realize they have a purpose in life. And when they discover that purpose, they discover really who they are. Because you don't find out what your ministry is by searching. You do it by serving. So it's a place of service. You start out that way. And others start to notice what your ministry is before you do. And they begin to say, oh, I noticed this, I noticed that. And, uh, and so in discovering who God intended you to be, 
the first thing he, he, uh, that comes to you is probably just a part of who you're going to be, not the whole thing. It's like learning to play the piano. I never did that, but I watched them do it, and they start with one finger usually, da da da, da and uh, and then they start to add the second uh, foot uh, uh, digit, and pretty soon they're using all ten of their fingers, and uh, that's when they're really good. Well, the same is about your particular calling as a young person, and the second part is as you are in that formation time, be careful that you get that person if you're going to be uh, married and be have a lifetime partner, make sure that partner has the same uh, desire and values of you. And otherwise, it's going to be hard to fit together for long periods of time, especially a lifetime. But as you, as you then uh, find someone, like I, I discovered Darlene, <laughs> And uh, she was a nurse, and she's 23 and, I, and a half, and I was just turned uh, 27. And uh, so we're about three and a half years apart. But we had the both of us had the same calling. And, uh, and it was so amazing. We also had the same background. Both of us came from several generations of pastors or missionaries. And uh, so as, as we... Uh, went out together, we found that it's more than just two times as much. It's like one can put a thousand to flight, but two ten thousand. There's a multiplying factor with unity in a couple. And then as we began to add young people that wanted to go out, and we could help guide them into places and, and ways of service in which they discovered who they were, and they often discovered their lifetime partner in the process because that, that was an easy place for it to go. And so Youth With a Mission was started in 1960. And since that time, we've had over 5 million that have gone out short term. And uh, that started at that time. I didn't know of any other uh, short term ministries that were going worldwide. And that's really how we started the first 18 months. Uh, we went into Africa and Asia and Latin America with our first uh, workers going out uh, for at least a year or more. And, uh, and as we did, we watched them blossom. And that's always a thrill. We watched them be fruitful. And then we watched them multiply and start to fill the earth because that's the first command in the Bible to human beings. It's found in Genesis 1:28. Be fruitful, multiply, and fill the earth and then take care of it. And so as, as we do so in ministry form, and whatever your ministry is, depending on what even area of a society you go into, uh, the Lord was speaking to me in 1975, August, that uh, he, he had these seven spheres, or he called it seven classrooms to me, that you can teach a nation. And uh, we still use that now. and. Uh, I, I began to realize that uh, you could reach, reach people and people could be ignited for God even in their particular sphere. Now, in a, in a, in a simple uh, society like the Suwaraha people in the Amazon, they have all seven spheres. But in a complex society, 
They have seven spheres, but they're genetic with many, many, many thousands of layers. And, uh, and so you're living in a country here with a lot of layers. And yet they all are in those, those seven. And that includes the uh, family, it includes religion, and it includes the area of education. It includes the area of public communication. You know, in, in, the, in the Amazon, they'll write, uh, climb up a tree and announce they want to marry so-and-so in their, their, their tribe. That's a public communication. They all have sports, like we have a sports maybe. Yes, they're far more complex than their sports, but they have their sports as well. And that's a part of celebration, arts, entertainment, and sports. And then there's the economy. Their economy is bartering. Uh, our economy gets very complex. And then they have govern, go, governments in a, a tribal group. And that's the elder, elders with a chief. And uh, they are giving you the law, and they are judging uh, you in the law, and they are uh, enforcing the law or... Uh, giving you some kind of fine. But in ours, of course, we separate the government's parts because in, in Isaiah 33, verse 22, uh, they speak there of, of the king and the lawgiver and the judge. And, and that's, of course, in God, in the Godhead. But we need that separation in our governments. And so you can be a part of any of that, I'm saying, whatever God is calling you into. But do it for God. Do it because he's calling you into it, and do it, therefore, with a purpose that will change your life. The purpose that God gives you is really looking into you and pulling out from you that which God put there, your gift and calling, even when you were conceived. And God has given you that for a reason, not for yourself first, but to serve others and to serve God and then God serves back, and he's got a bigger server than you do. So I would encourage all of the young people that are listening here in this podcast that, that you will do your best to serve in the name of Jesus others around you in the best way that will serve them in their need. Now, in a corporate sense of YWAM, we have on our ships, we have, we have medical... Uh, all kinds of medical modern uh, helps to help the doctor do eye surgery or the dentist to do dental work or, or whatever it is that uh, are the needs of the people that can be done short-term. We don't have a long-term hospital on board. But uh, out of the 27 ships, many of them have a medical component. I just came from, from uh, Mazatlan, Mexico, and we were just dedicating a brand-new ship uh, for YWAM, and it it has a medical component. It's not a big one, but it's uh, very effective. And we take doctors aboard and dentists and nurses and others. But we also always emphasize sharing the good news of Jesus Christ in the form of the gospel. And we take often teachers aboard, and they'll teach out in the islands and in the coastlands as well. And uh, we, we even take uh, sportsmen along. I know in, in the islands of, uh, let's see, out, out in the Micronesian area, we took a 
NBA basketball player. He was almost, it looked like to me, seven foot. But he was, when he went out there, and then we had some coaches with us, and then we had some YWAMers that weren't that, but involved in sports. And uh, as we did, every kid on the island, they came, because at, at that particular island, they had television. And they knew who that guy was, that big, tall NBA player. And when he said, I love Jesus and I follow Jesus, that opened the door. We do that. Another way that we do is just simply uh, meeting the needs of the people and out of that, giving an opportunity to show love not only in what we do in service in that way, but we do it also in sharing our heart with their heart on the need. I was in uh, Beijing my wife and I were getting this, we, this a few years back, we were getting ready to get on the train and go trans, uh, on the trans, uh, uh, what do they call it, Trans-Siberian Railway. And, uh, and about, uh, well, that was 6 a.m. On, on Saturday morning. This was five, five in the afternoon, five o'clock in the afternoon the night before on Friday. And I met a young man and I just started talking to him. He spoke good English. And I said, uh, and, and what is your field? You, you, you've been a university student, right? Yes, I have. He says, mine is philosophy. <coughs> oh, I said, I, I have a degree in philosophy too. Uh, let's talk. What's your philosophy? He says, well, I'm a, a materialist, uh, you know, and I'm a Marxist. And I said, well, that's interesting uh, because uh, I, I actually, actually believe that there is a God and uh, follow his son, Jesus Christ. But uh, tell me, what do you do as a person when your philosophy says that there's no value in the individual, it's only in the group that you're a part of? And he said, yeah, that's a bit of a problem, but I can handle that. I said, secondly, uh, what do you do with guilt? He said, now that's the problem. I have nobody to go to to get forgiveness. I said, that's what I want to tell you about. We had several hours together. 11 o'clock, he was one of us. <laughs> he had met Jesus. And uh, the reason I'm telling you this story is because I had to get on the train the next morning at 6. Now, what, what would I do with this young man? And, uh, and so I said, uh, can I give you a, a Bible? And uh, he said, uh, can I send it to you? I didn't have one in Chinese. And so, can I send it to you? He, he got scared. He said, no, no, my boss would put me in prison. And uh, I said, well, don't you have another address, a friend or someone? He said, no, in fact, on Monday, this is Friday night, he said, uh, he's sending me to a big city in the south, and I don't even know which city it is. He won't tell me. Until I get on the train, they, they use control methods. And so he hands me a ticket, and then, then I know where I'm going. And so I said, okay, I'll tell you what, Pekong, I want, I want you to understand there's a Holy Spirit that's going to guide you to a group, and they will have Bibles if they can, and they will meet together and they worship Jesus, and you'll hear them singing and worshiping Jesus. I was telling him about a little group of believers uh, and a a house church. And, uh, and so I said, God will guide you because we're going to pray together now. He's going to listen. We prayed, and I prayed that he would be led 
to a group that loved Jesus and had a Bible and would take him in and make him a part of their spiritual family. And so I said goodbye. Many months later, I was over in Hong Kong, and I was meeting with some of our workers from China that had come out for a special meeting. And one of them came up to me and said, oh, uh, Pekong wanted me to tell you that uh, to greet you because we found out that he know, knows who you are. And uh, I said, how did you meet him? They said, well, the Lord guided him to our YWAM prayer group in one of the biggest uh, cities in the South. And, uh, and, and so he's been a part of us ever since. There's something about when you, you share life, the Holy Spirit can do things for them that you cannot. But if you can, you need to take on the next steps as well. We call it discipling. And don't make it into something really formal. Make it into a very, very friendly family affair where you're saying to them, you know, this, this has been the, some of the ways that I've found out. And here's some of the, the, the books or teachings or individuals that have helped me. And uh, here's, a, here's a, a, a podcast that you might want to listen to. And, and that's ever so often. And, and here's how you find it. These are ways to connect them with the Word of God so that they can grow as well. So may God bless you as you do your part. And YWAM serves full-time in uh, not just the 191 nations where we have permanent works. We also have started a university called University of the Nations. That's more than 40 years old now. And uh, we have uh, more than 700 locations where we have full-time staff and, and students. Uh, in 162 nations now, and uh, we train them in the Bible. We train them first in the discipleship course, and then into the Bible, and then into other, other, uh, other areas of study. But we we also have our mercy ministries that's uh, taking care of the poor, the needy, food, drink, clothing, shelter, health care, and visiting prisoners in prison, and uh, all of those are specialized ministries in YWAM. And uh, we have King's Kids, which is children and into early teenage. Uh, that's what really our largest ministry. Hundreds of thousands of children are ministered to every year through that ministry. So whatever it is, if we can serve you, we'd like to do that. Or wherever God leads you, just allow the Holy Spirit to bless your ministry, bless, bless that which you are and how you serve the Lord anywhere in the world. God bless you. Lauren Cunningham, signing off. We're deep in preparation for season three of HTDT, and we'd love to hear from you. Who do you want to hear from? Who should we have on, as a season three guest? Hit us up via our webpage or social media, and we'll do everything we can to bring your request to our show. Brent, what's the webpage? It's www.htdt.org. That's HTDT as in 
how they do that. If this podcast has been a blessing to you, please give us a five-star rating and review so we can continue to keep more great episodes coming. And special thanks to those who helped put each and every episode together. And a very special thanks to Garrett Atkinson of GDA Productions for providing the music for this podcast. Until next time, this is Lauren Jabot and Brent Squires answering the age-old question, how'd they do that?